If you've driven from the lake towards the city on Congress Parkway, you would have driven past what's called the Auditorium Building. The Auditorium Building was built, uh, well, a while ago, a little bit before our own church here was built, but in the late 1800s, 1889. And, and in being built at the time, it was very uh, a well-known design in a very large building. It was actually the largest in the United States when it was built and the tallest in Chicago. Uh, it was designed for lots of different uses and purposes, but today uh, houses the ballet, the Joffrey Ballet, and different activities that take place there. You've probably driven by it as you go out Congress Parkway by Michigan Avenue. You'll see it there. Have you ever visited and gone inside the, uh, the building or the theater? You may have uh, noticed a few things. Uh, one of the things you may notice is that the floors are not even. Uh, people sometimes report feeling drunk walking around because the floors have some uh, out of balance to them. You may also notice that there are uh, four steps that go down that weren't part of the original plan, but they're actually four steps you go down to buy tickets to shows. Well, those steps didn't exist before because the building was built, well, four steps higher and it began to sink. In its first year, it sank 18 inches, and it's continued to sink, and so uh, the steps were built later so you could get down into it. You see, uh, we think and see things about foundations every single day. And as you drive by that building, I want you to think about what a sure foundation looks like, because what we find here in this passage is Jesus talking about foundations as well. Because foundations are things maybe that we don't always think about, but they have a significant impact on well, the fact that we're in this building that's built on a foundation, or you go to a home that's built on a foundation or more. And in this passage, in Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 24, Jesus talks about foundations. Let's take a look. It says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, the rock here is the foundation. Actually, we don't build a lot of buildings in Chicago on the rock because we're built more on a marshy land. Years ago, the whole city was elevated by 18 inches at one time, and, but the reality is it's kind of a marshy land, which has uh, always been a challenge to build on. Well, here, you want to build when you best can your house on the rock. Then it says, and the rain came, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And he goes on and says, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. Now, what we find here is actually we're at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. You remember, as we've gone through this passage, I've said a few times this was the greatest sermon preached by the greatest teacher who ever lived, who ever walked the earth, and that was Jesus. In the Sermon on the Mount, something that almost everybody has heard something from, we come to the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount with a reminder, with an exhortation to build, well, our lives on the rock that is the rock of Christ. And I think it's important that we not miss that, that Jesus is ending the Sermon on the Mount. That's what it says right here at the end. The crowds were astonished. He was teaching to His disciples how the kingdom of God would be. And then at the end, He says to His disciples, build your house on this rock. 
But then he reminds them what happens when it's not built on the rock. You see, the crowds were listening in while Jesus talked to his disciples, and they came to the conclusion that what Jesus was saying was so authoritative that they were astonished by it. Why does that matter? See, there's a day coming when the storm hits, and Jesus invites you to build on the rock that is his salvation. Now, again, it's kind of a parable. We talk about parables, right? And this is how we build our house on that rock. Now, why would that matter? Well, again, keeping in mind that Jesus here is the focus of this verse. Now, it's not, the focus is not us and what kind of house we build, but if you remember, the high point of the Sermon on the Mount is actually in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Here's what it says. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So this is the focus, right? Build your house on that foundation, the foundation of Christ and seeking Him. So Matthew 6.33 is the centerpiece of the sermon, but Matthew 7.24 is the centerpiece of Jesus' authority. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So again, this passage is not really about us. It, we're, we're kind of wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount here, and it's, it's not really about the building material. Maybe you, maybe you heard about uh, the one who built the, house on, uh, built the house out of straw, right? And then the other built the house out of sticks, and then someone built the house out of bricks, and, you know, that's the three little pigs. That's not what we're talking about here, okay? Now, there's a lot of things that matter after that, right, because it's different in a whole lot of ways. One's a fairy tale, right? One's the most important truth in the whole universe, right? One is how the pigs save themselves by building with better material. The other is how Jesus saves us by being the foundation that holds firm. So you don't build your life around three little pigs and how you build with hay or sticks or bricks. See, here it is. Jesus is the foundation that saves you when the storms come. He saves you now, and He saves you when the storm comes. And, and one, like the three little pigs, is a moral to the story. The other has a foundation that's a Savior, and you want the foundation that's the Savior, not tips about how to build better. So here's a day coming when a storm hits, and Jesus invites you to build on the rock of His salvation. So it's not about the house you build. It's about the foundation upon which you build it. And that's what I want us to look at today. We're going to look at three things as we go through the text. The first thing I want us to see is, number one, there's a solid foundation, a solid foundation. It says this, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. We're all building something with our lives. We have a choice upon what we will build. And our even today, our natural tendency would be don't build on the sand. Any builder would tell you, build on the rock. But the reality is Jesus is the only sure and certain rock upon which we can build. It's not optional. It's not a list of potentials. It's, it's ultimately, this is exclusive. Jesus, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, says, build your house on this rock. And we hear and respond by placing, well, our trust in Christ. He's the seat of authority in our lives, the center, the grounding, and the foundation of our very lives. Now, some can hear and ignore and not take the message seriously, but, and pride causes us to 
to mask ourselves and to, and, and to fall eventually, right? We center our lives around anything. We build our lives on anything other than the sure foundation that is Jesus. We actually find throughout the Bible the idea that we're to be on a sure foundation. We can even go back to the, the psalmist says, he drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry blog, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. Now, some of you will even recognize a famous song brought from this very verse. You too actually sings it, and it talks about he set my feet upon a rock, and he made my footsteps firm. And it goes on, right? Isaiah tied in as well. And what we find is, is that there's always a rock upon which to build. But for so many, we miss the reality of that. You see, it's not the quality of the house. It's the quality of the foundation that Jesus is focused on here. It's the quality of the foundation. Listen, your actions don't determine your security. The object of your faith determines your security. Your anchor holds within the veil. Now, the whole church is built on this reality. The, the truth of this guides us through and around everything. It's not that far from now. In Matthew chapter 16, we can actually see just a few verses away, verses 15 through 18, it says this. It, Jesus is again speaking, and he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are Christ, the Son of the living God. Thank God for the profession of faith that Peter makes. And Jesus answered, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. And he goes on and says, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, it's actually a play on words in the original language, Peter's name and the name for rock. And it says, on this rock, what the rock of his confession, you are the Christ. On this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I want you not to miss this. When you build on the rock that is Christ, you hold secure, not because of you, but because of him. And there's a day coming when the storm hits, and Jesus invites you to build on the rock of his salvation. Now, again, this passage is, is rather interesting because you have to sort of decide how to apply this passage, and, and it's probably not primarily about the day-to-day -day storms of life, right? There are, there are verses that refer to that, but we're looking here because Jesus gave the whole Sermon on the Mount. He's laid out the whole message, the picture of kingdom living. But I think a better understanding of the text is that he's talking about a, number two on our outline, a certain judgment. Now, again, I, I, I must tell you that I'm, I'm not, uh, uh, you don't come each week and hear me talk about a certain and coming judgment. Even as we've walked through Matthew, we've talked about how we live and how our life is changed and more. But, but Jesus talks about a certain and coming judgment, and when he does, it's appropriate that we follow his lead. Let's take a look. It says, and the rain fell, right? And the rain fell, the rain came down, and the streams rose, and winds blew and beat against that house. Now, again, don't miss this, right? Anyone who hears the words of mine, it's like a foolish man built his house on the sand, right? Then the rains came down, the streams rose. By, by, by the way, this was, a, this was a desert area. So when a big rain would come, quickly floods would come. There wasn't the plants. There wasn't the, the ability to absorb a large amount of rain. And so the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When it falls with a great crash, that reminds us of the finality of things and speaks to the 
reality that Jesus is talking about a, a certain judgment. So there are storms in life, and I'm not saying we're wrong to apply it there, but I think this primarily is about the storm that's to come, the, the judgment that's to come. And I want you not to miss this because the world without Christ is facing what can only be described as a terrible judgment, but a righteous judgment and a holy judgment. Matter of fact, if you're here without Christ, or maybe you're viewing our service online, what I want you to hear, and I don't want you to miss, is that when Jesus talks about this, the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. I want you not to miss that, that without Christ, without the sure foundation, He's talking about you and your future. Now, if this is the first time you've been to church in a long time, you say, gosh, this is so stark. Well, I want you to know, this undergirds every message that we share here at Moody Church for more than 150 years. Because we know that without Christ, hopelessness and helplessness is our state. But we also know that we can be in a different kind of house built on the foundation that is sure. But without that, We have to remember Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All means you. Point to somebody with a stern look and say, he's talking about you, sinner. (laughs) And me too, right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's, it, the reality is your sin has separated you from God. You are unmoored. You are detached from the foundation that would hold sure. The storms are going to come. You will be swept away in those storms, and that sweeping away is eternal. And the consequences are horrible but I can't stand before you. Listen to the words of Jesus who gives a vivid contrast between one who has built his house upon a sure foundation, that is Jesus, and the one who has built his house on sand. But throughout the Bible, we have pictures of people taking refuge in God. It says this in Psalm 57, verse 1, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. This is a prayer you and I can, should, and must pray. Be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. When the storm comes, you need to take refuge. And the refuge you can take in is look how great the house I built is. But let me tell you, at that judgment, even the brick house gives way. Take refuge in the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge. Till the storms of destruction pass by, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. Selah, God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. And that's what you want to be anchored to. Anything else gives way, specifically You want to come under the work of Christ and under the lordship of Christ. See, Jesus worked and lived and and for us, right, and and, and who who believed in in humility and believed in Him in humility and repentance and faith, and His perfect record is applied to our blemished record. The storms come, and you have to respond. And for almost all of us at that point, our life will flash before our eyes, and we'll think, have we built upon 
the rock. See, then Jesus then is the ultimate authority for the Christian. Let me show you a picture. This is a picture, a map of uh, Sumner County, Tennessee. And these pictures here are actually tornadoes, uh, the paths of tornadoes. And just, just the county, so it doesn't include other things, but this is all in the Sumner County area. And when we moved here, we didn't know that we were moving into Tornado Alley in Tennessee. And lots of tornadoes. We're going to zoom in a little closer here and we'll show you. So this is, uh, this is just my, my, I mean, this is where my kids went to school right here. And uh, we kind of lived over here. And, and uh, this is kind of right around all of this. And matter of fact, one of a, a terrible tornado came through here and people, now dozens of people have lost their lives. Let me zoom in a little more because what I want you to see is this is where I lived. In fact, this is my neighborhood right here. And it was just a few years ago, we were, uh, we, get, we kept having these tornado warnings. And I don't know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, you get sort of jaded after a while. They say, they come on the news and they say, go get in your safe place. And so I would think of myself on a beach and I'd realize that wasn't what they were referring to. <laughs> go to my safe place. Um, and so we would go to our safe place and then one day it was, um, we just, we weren't, it was late, the kids were in bed. And they said, you know, if you're in Sumner County, go to your safe place. And so our little alarm went off. We had a little weather alarm. And so I, I went out. I turned on the television so I could see the weather report. And, and I said, go to your safe place. And I don't remember the time, but it was, in, it was way past the kids' bedtime. And so, um, so we didn't, right? So, and then they said, you know, I was watching TV. And they said, now really, you know, go to your safe place. And they say, you know, when you watch the weather, you, if, if you didn't live in a tornado area, you don't really know this, but there's a little hook that sort of forms. And, and there's a little hook that formed kind of right over where... I live, and at that point I said, on my own, we should go to a safe place. <laughs> so I was actually just at that point slowly walking up the stairs, and I had uh, awakened one of our kids and said, all right, kids, we're going to come on, we're going to go to the side. Oh, Dad, we're sleeping. And, and then something happened. Let's take a look at that map again. Something happened. Because what happened was is that this landed. Now, it's a zero, okay? I want you to know, it's an EF zero. If you're going to get hit by a tornado, this is the one you want. But you don't want to get hit by a tornado, just so you know. So we're here, and we, we actually, they tell us that it sounds like a train. Now, the problem is, is this is an actual train. So we hear a train every day. And so in the middle of a tornado, I hear a train. And usually it ends with, rrr, rrr, you know, the train making the, the noise that trains make. And so, but I hear a train, but the tornado starts right here. It's a little area right by the, what we call the bypass. And, and then it started right here. And, and again, it's pretty wide. I actually live right here, and it was pretty wide. And, and so all of a sudden, I'm halfway up the stairs, kind of sleepily saying, come on, kids. And it sounds like an airplane engine goes off in my house. Everything begins to shake. The stairs begin to shake. And I say, we got to go now. Get up, go. And we just all run down the stairs. We run into our bed. We run into our closet. And really, by the time we got there, the tornado had passed. And I vowed never to ignore go to your safe place again. <laughs> now, nobody died in that tornado. It's an EF zero. It's the lowest strength of our tornado. It strengthened as it went down the road and destroyed some homes and things of that sort. But I got to tell you, when I was halfway up that stairs 
And I've never experienced anything like it. It's like a, a jet engine started in the middle of my house. Everything began to shake. I began to hear things bang against the windows. It was actually my neighbor's roof shingles. My house didn't sustain a lot of damage, but my entire neighbor, my, not, all the shingles on my neighbor's roof landed in my backyard. And it's the strangest thing, what goes and what doesn't go. And I said to him, you need a new roofer, bro. I mean, if they didn't nail on the shingles, I can't help you. But I got to tell you, when I was standing halfway up that stairs, telling, come on, kids, I'm like, Dad, we don't want to go. And then at that moment, everything went into slow motion. And we were running, and at the same time, I was saying, Lord, just save my kids. And my daughter's like, where's our dog? <laughs> I'm like, we're going Dorothy on the dog. We're not worried about the dog. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I thought that. <laughs> so we ran, and I got to tell you, all I cared about was that I was in Jesus' arms and my family was together. So I don't want you to miss this. Storms bring clarity, and you need Christ in the midst of that storm. See, if I, call, I called up the, the uh, local department. I forget what they're called, something in the county. And, and I said, did we get hit by a tornado? And they said, yeah, his words were, it was kind of a dinky tornado. And I'm like, <laughs> Thank you, Lord, that it was a dinky tornado. But for our family, at that moment, the only things that matter were one another family and our faith. Our faith stood strong. Now, don't miss this, right? Your life literally does pass before your eyes. Some of you have experienced that. And in the midst of that moment, I want you not to miss this. All of us are going to face a moment when the storms come, and sometimes it's the very last storm. And the question, a day's coming, the rains are going to fall, the houses will fall, it will collapse, and the collapse will be great. But a life that is built on the rock that is Jesus withstands the most difficult storm now and forever, not because the house is strong, but because the foundation is sure. And there's a day coming when the storm hits. Jesus is inviting you to build on the rock of His salvation. It's interesting how the passage ends, right? It ends with really solid foundation, certain judgment. Number three, an ultimate authority. Because remember, again, there's a day coming when the storm hits. That's what Jesus is saying. He's inviting you to build on the rock of his salvation. But there is a certain judgment coming from an authoritative Savior who you will either have rejected or followed. You will either have built your house upon the sand or built your house upon the rock. And verse 28 is interesting. It's all kind of about authority. We're going to get to it in a minute. They were amazed and surprised at Jesus' authority. Now, remember, Jesus was talking to his disciples, but the other people who were amazed and surprised were listening in. Now, earlier in the passage, he says this in Matthew 5:11. He says, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Why would he say such a thing? Because he knew that he was the sure and the certain foundation. Others may rail, others may complain, but my anchor holds within the veil. So here's what they said. And when Jesus finished these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. This is the truth. He laid it out for them. He, he didn't say there are 10 paths, there's, there's two. 
One is the path to life. One is the path to everlasting death, ultimately in a place called hell. Some people don't like to talk about it, but let me tell you, if it's real, we need to warn people about it. And so Jesus says, listen, it's, it, you're going to build your house on the rock? That's me. Or you're going to build your house on the sand? That's every other option. So that's not just secularism. That's any other option other than our house firmly secure, firmly connected to the salvation. So their salvation is found in no one else, no other God, no other religion, no other path, no other practice. Salvation is found only in Christ alone, the cornerstone. So rightfully, the crowds are astonished at his teaching. How could he say such thing? He says, this is the truth. He's laid it out. It's him. I, I, he didn't come to debate the law. He came to fulfill it. And they're astonished because he lays it all out and says, follow me. And the centerpiece of his authority is here. And everyone was astonished. I love the word astonished. It's not like surprised or it's more than that, right? I'm astonished by something. I'm so astonished by how many words my daughters can produce in a single day. I mean, that's astonishing, right? I'm astonished that I go away to the Philippines. I'm gone a couple of weeks, and now we're doing hand motions at Moody Church. I'm astonished. But they were astonished beyond surprised. Because Jesus is the ultimate authority, and all of us, right? This is what he says about himself, right? About himself in Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. There's a day coming when the storm hits. Jesus invites you to build on the rock of his salvation. I mean, look at these words about himself. This is in John chapter 6. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes has eternal life. That believes on him, builds on that rock, on that sure foundation. I'm the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that no one may eat of it and die. He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he'll live forever. This is the promise that Jesus gives. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. He died on the cross for our sin and in our place. And if you're watching online or if you're here with us in the auditorium and you don't for sure have your house built securely on a rock that is Jesus, then there's two paths, there's two ways to live, built on the rock or lost in the sand. I was thinking of this when I went to Manila. We visited the American cemetery there where thousands upon thousands of soldiers are memorialized, right? And so we went there and you just see the row upon row and then the names along the sides. 17,000 people. This is the largest of all the overseas cemeteries. You may have seen the one in Saving Private Ryan, but this is the largest by far. It's in the middle of a thriving city and more. And like probably you did, you would do, I look to see if there's some people who shared my last name. We do that. We look around, and, and no one ever shares my last name because I have a very unusual name. It's actually a misspelling. It's only about 300 of us in the world, and but then I looked, and, and there, was, there was Gerald Stetzer. I never heard of Gerald Stetzer. He's a private first class. He's from Wisconsin, it, it said over there. But there was name upon name upon name. And I couldn't help but think as I was preparing and mulling over this message, ultimately, can I, I want you to miss this. 
your name is going to be carved into a rock someday. It's going to be a tombstone. It's going to be a grave. It's going to be a mausoleum. Maybe it'll be a wall on a battlefield. And that ultimately does not determine your final destiny. It determines your earthly honor. But at the end of the day, for all of us, I'm more con- less concerned about where our name is carved into a wall and whether our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's interesting. One of the things that struck me is a friend of mine actually lives in this building. And so because it's in the middle of a big city, Manila's larger than any city in the U.S., because it's the middle of a big city, they actually looked down and they built these condos and apartments and and then nobody wanted to be in them, particularly some of the people who would buy them. I mean, there were some people, but many didn't because of uh, what's called feng shui. Um, It's bad space to be in, to be overlooking a cemetery. So my friend got a, got a really good deal. <laughs> and uh, he loves Jesus a lot. And it tells me, he tells me every day he wakes up to the beautiful view. But more importantly for all of us, it's a reminder of the temporal nature of our existence. One day we're going to have our name scrawled into a rock and we're going to be in the ground. And the question for eternity is, do we build our life here and forever on the rock that is Jesus? So my question for you is, is just that. Again, I'm much less concerned, though certainly honored. We, I took the kids. We went room by room and by room. And I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a history nerd. I'm not really a history nerd. I'm just a nerd. Um, and so I went through and I, I told them about all. They have all the battles carved into the walls at the memorial. And I explained to them the Bataan Death March. I explained to them the how they went across the hopping island, hopping to the mainland. I explained about Manila and MacArthur, and, and, I, and I told them the, the greatest generation was indeed called the greatest generation for a reason. And by that point, they knew I got into a speech about, you kids need to toughen up. <laughs> but you know, I'm not as concerned about where your name is carved in stone. I'm far more concerned if it's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. See, here's the reality. I want you not to miss this. There's a day coming when the storm hits, and Jesus invites you to build on the rock that is his salvation. You hear the kids singing, Jesus rescues, right? Um, I remember when I first shared this with my father-in-law. He had gotten sick, and he was dying of cancer, and he asked me to come down and see him so he could get prepared for forever. And I went down to see him, and I shared the gospel with him, and he didn't respond. He said, Ed, I could, I could pray that prayer with you right now, but if I got better, I'd go back to my old life. Um, I was being honest. And at the time, I lived in Buffalo, New York. He lived in Brook Hills, Florida. I, didn't, I drove all the way. It's not a short drive from Buffalo, New York to Brook Hills, Florida, and I drove all the way back despondent and disappointed. So we called again, not that far after, and said, can you come down again? It's like, if you're sure this time, yes. (laughs) So I got in the car and I started that long drive. And he had written on a sheet of paper, on a notepad, this is it right here. On the the back of it, I have a list of the pallbearers for his funeral. This is my handwriting over here. Who was doing the eulogy? Who was doing doing what? But on this side was, was his writing. And I've saved it to this day. It's decades ago now. And there's some things I don't even know what they say. There's just kind of random. There's a phone number that I want to call just to see, but I decided I shouldn't. But in the very middle of that, 
there's a little section right here. It says just a few things. It says, born again, okay? It says, Lord, he calls the shots. So you have to understand with Jack, he wasn't a man who grew up in a religious home at all. Uh, he was quite worldly in every way. He was an entrepreneur. I was trying to start something, always struggled. He was down in Florida because he had tried to start the pop shop. Some of you may have heard the pop shop, and he, he owned the franchise. It kind of failed there in Florida. It was, it's big in Canada. And so, he, uh, so he, he wasn't the kind of guy that you'd sit down and say, hey, listen, you need to love God and confess your sin. But, but he knew he had an eternal destiny before him. And so he continues to write, Lord, he calls the shots. Savior, he writes, he forgives. Fess up, he writes. Not like we'd write it, confess your sins. He says, fess up and trust. And then he writes Luke 14, 25. See, he knew that to trust Jesus was ultimately more than simply saying, God, get me out of this situation. It was having confidence that God has it all no matter what the situation. And so he prayed, and he prayed with me, and we we trusted Christ. He trusted Christ that day. He, you always have a little doubt. Last time he told me that he wouldn't do it, it couldn't be real, he would go back the way it was. So I said, Jack, is, that, is this real for you? And he said, he was, through tears, he said, yes. Um, and he said, no, I've got I've to tell some people because this is now real and true to me. And I understand him. I, my, I didn't use these words, but he knew that his rock was now, he was firmly attached to the rock that is Jesus. So he gathered his friends. He sent note to all of his friends, and they all came over to the clubhouse of the condo where he was. And, and they were all, it was like a party atmosphere. It was kind of a goodbye for Jack. They knew he was not doing well. But Jack had another plan. Everyone gathered together. It was, the room was filled of smoke and Jack Daniels, which you should. Don't worry about it if you don't know what that is. <laughs> well, whenever there's four people, there was always a fifth. <laughs> if you got that joke, we need to talk after church. <laughs> and so he said, all right, everybody, listen up. Gather together. And he gathered everyone together. And he was going to tell them about his newfound faith. And he, and he says, all right, everybody, listen. Listen up. And he was not a subtle man. He said, listen up. There's something important you need to know. And he turns to me and said, Ed, tell them. And so I was about to, and he said, no, let me tell them. And Jack gave the testimony of a man who was a believer about four days. And he said, if I get well, I'll still follow Jesus because he's everything to me. And I thought to myself, whether it's four days, he died just, well, a bit after that, and he's with the Lord today. He died younger, younger than, than I am now. Makes us think. See, we don't know when that storm's coming. There's a day coming when the storm hit. Jesus invites you to build on the rock of his salvation. That's what Jack did and had a few months left. That's what I've done, and it's been decades of following Jesus. But regardless of how long you have, this rock holds sure. So my question for you today is, you know, a life built on the rock that's Jesus withstands the most difficult storm. In the most difficult storm, your life will flash before your eyes. But the question is, to whom have you grounded your life? 
See, the, the reality is it's not because the house is made of straw or sticks or bricks. It's because the foundation is strong. Because when a tornado comes, bricks don't matter. And when the judgment comes, there's nothing you have built that will withstand that's not bolted to the Christ that is the Savior of all of the universe. He is enough. The storms come, but Jesus stays. I don't want you to miss this, right? So again, this is not a fairy tale of pigs and a wolf. This is the truth of the universe centered on the foundation and a Savior. And I want to invite you today to follow Him. Because as we've gone through the Sermon on the Mount, we heard much about kingdom living, but I want to encourage you today to trust Him to become a kingdom citizen. So when the storms come, you can say, on Christ the solid rock I stand. You can say, all I once held dear and built my life upon is gone. Nothing compares to knowing you, Jesus. And I want you to know that millions before you have put their faith in Him, millions of whom are with the Lord now. You say, Ed, man, this is a judgment message. No, these are just Jesus' words at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. The house, great is the fall of that house. And my question for you today, is it inevitable that there be a great fall of the house that is your life? Or will you secure to the rock that is Jesus? I want you to bow your heads and pray with me. Father, we acknowledge today, those of us who know you, that it's not anything we have done. It's not because we built out of a better material than somebody else. It's not because ours is bricks and someone else's hay or straw. But it's ultimately because we stand on a foundation that is sure. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you just right now thank him? Thank you, Jesus, for the sure foundation that is in Christ. Would you pray if you're a follower of Jesus for those who may not know him? You'd be stunned how many people watch us online or maybe are visitors here today. Just pray right now that the Holy Spirit, which is speaking to their heart, he's speaking to their heart that they would respond by grace and through faith. And let me talk to you. If you're watching online with us or you're here in our auditorium, if you're not sure that your life is built on the foundation, the cornerstone that is Jesus, I want to invite you today to not leave this place without a certainty of a sure foundation built on Jesus. If that's the, where you are right now, just real simply, I want you to pray with me. I just want to pray with you. Make it the prayer of your heart. It's a simple prayer. Here's how, it, how you pray. You would say, if it's a prayer of your heart, you'd say, Dear Jesus, just pray it with me silently to the Lord. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Like Jack, I fess up. Jesus, I receive the life you have given me. Jesus, I trust you as my Savior. I follow you as my Lord. You are my Lord and Savior this day and forward, King Jesus. Father, I pray for men and women who just prayed that prayer with me. Father, I pray that as we've got our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we're praying for them, that you'd give them just one moment of courage to share that. Just while people around you have your heads bowed, your eyes closed, can I ask you something? If you trusted Christ just now, 
for the first time, would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I just did. Just raise your hand. Just hold it up for just a second. Yeah, I see that. I see you, sister. Thank God. You can put your hands down. Father, I pray for those who just indicate they've trusted you. Father, as they've begun a spiritual journey that's always tethered, always on the foundation that is King Jesus, that when the storms come and mighty is the fall of many houses, but theirs stands firm, not because of their building material, but because of Jesus as the foundation. Father, remind us of the truth of your gospel and the new life we have in Christ. Just stand with me right now. Father, as we stand together, we're reminded again and again as followers of Jesus that the thing that matters most is, well, not the momentary, but the eternal. We are reminded again and again that Christ alone is the cornerstone. And all I once held dear, built my life around, is nothing compared to knowing you, Jesus. Father, as we sing, Father, I pray that all of us would sing with our hearts to the praise of Jesus, that knowing you is just what changes everything.